With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the Glory UGA Podcast. I'm Tyler, and back with me today on the other end of the line to break down our latest victory over the Missouri Tigers is my co-host, Curtis. We want to open today by thanking all you guys out there for listening into the show today. We really do appreciate everyone's support, and we really appreciate everyone who's helped us out by rating and reviewing the show on Apple Podcasts or Google Play. That really does help us out. So thank you, thank you, thank you for all of that support. As for Saturday's game against Missouri, I think it's safe to say it may not have been the prettiest offensive performance inside what was a a pretty cold Sanford Stadium. But regardless, the Dogs took another big step towards clinching the SEC Eastern Division for the third straight season. Still a lot of ball left to be played. we got to go out and win these next couple weeks, but we took another big step in the right direction. So, Kurt, I just want to – I guess I want to open with a, a general question. Obviously, we won big. 27-0, nice, good, solid victory. But when the clock ticked zero at the end of the night, how did you walk away feeling about that performance against Missouri and also this team in general right now through nine games? Um, I mean, I actually kind of expected this against Missouri. People have to remember, we were talking about it in the uh, the pregame show, that Missouri has a very good defense. Um, so you knew they were to come out and play very physical against us, especially coming off a of bye week. Um, that was the biggest thing. But I think I was more impressed with how our defense, how good our defense really is. Um, one of the announcers was really right when he said, for the most part, we will always be in a game when, because of our defense. Yeah, and, and that's a that's a beautiful thing to have. And, I, and we're going we're gonna to talk a lot more in depth about the defense later on in the show. But let's talk about it at the outset here a little bit too because I don't think we're giving this defense enough love. And we've gotten some comments on Twitter, and uh, our man Cliff's been all over this. He's exactly right. Everyone's obviously all up in arms about the offense and some of the issues we've had, and some of those issues are still there. And it's it's understandable. I get it. But let's not just gloss over how well this defense is playing. And you're exactly right. This defense gives us a chance to win each and every week. Doesn't mean we're going to win every week because we already lost one. But they are doing everything they can. Even in that loss against South Carolina, that defense did everything they could outside of one uh, one long touchdown pass to Brian Edwards to keep us in that game and give a, give our offense a chance to do something to win the game. So that's a beautiful thing to have. I, I know it's an old cliche that defense wins championships, and, and some people are kind of challenging that idea nowadays. I guess you could maybe say that enough defense wins championships, but still, if you have an elite-level defense, which I think that we have, like it, it gives you every chance to at least stay in games, hopefully your offense and come out with a good performance. But uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I think you're right. I think this is we kind of alluded to this on the preview show. This is kind of what I expected. Uh, honestly, I wasn't even sure we beat Missouri this badly. Like, I, I wasn't sure we'd get a 27 point victory. Actually, actually in the pick show, I picked us to to not cover the spread. So I, I was thinking like a, a, a solid, comfortable two touchdown win. So 27 nothing. I'll take that all day, every day. Now, was was it perfect? No. We'll get into some of the specifics here in a minute. There's a lot of things that we need to work on. We'll get to that. But if you look at the big picture here, like I, I'm, I'm okay. I feel pretty good about this performance. Uh, it was really, I think in my mind, dominant from the outset. I don't think this game – like did you ever feel at any moment, Curtis, that this game was ever in doubt? 
Um, no, and I'll get into the specifics on that later. But no, I never did feel like it was. In yeah, doubt. I, I don't think this game was in doubt. Like we, we may not have like stepped on their throat the way I would have liked to have seen us doing the way we've done in the past. You know, the past couple of years. But I still think it was a dominant performance. I mean, no, offensively we didn't you know set the world on fire. Three hundred thirty-nine yards total offense, but when you hold the opposing offense to one hundred ninety-eight yards. That's pretty dominant. We had 17 first downs to their 11. We were plus 11 in a time of possession. So, yeah, it was a dominant performance. It really was. Uh, like you mentioned, Missouri was coming off the bye week. I, I always talk about that. You guys know. You, you listen to this show. You know how big I am on bye weeks and how important I think that is. So for us to be able to come off with a big emotional victory against Florida and not be completely flat when Missouri is coming in with nothing to lose, off the bye week, ready to, to shock the world, kind of like South Carolina did, to take their turn doing that. I think we answered the call pretty well. Again, there are things we need to work on. We're about to get to all that. Don't worry. We'll get there. But all in all, from a big picture perspective, I, I think this is a win that we can, uh, that we should be proud of and be happy with and uh, move forward and, and just t- try to get closer and closer to taking that next step. So, yeah, I feel good. But I, I will say this. I still cannot escape the feeling that – despite how dominant performance that was, it was a really dominant win, this team is still not quite where it needs to be yet. Kurt, are you with me there? Um, Yeah. I mean, I think there, as you, especially if you ask Kirby Smart, there's always room for improvement. Yeah, I think Kirby would all, even if we won a national championship one year, when, when and if that ever happens, he'll probably still say we can get better. And he'll probably be right. But uh, look, we're getting closer to being where we need to be. But I, I still just can't get the feeling that, like, man, I, I just don't know if we're like – playoff or national caliber good yet i think we had the pieces to get there i think we're getting closer um and it's obviously not the defense which we, we just talked about is now in the top five in total defense top five rushing defense scoring defense and touchdown rate so this defense like I, like I told you guys at the beginning of the year i don't get much right i got this right this defense was going to be a top five caliber defense and it's played out 100 exactly that way but it's it's still the offense it's still the offense so kurt let's go there uh, last week, I, I don't. I, let me just say, I'm not freaking out about the offense right now. I know some people still are. I'm not freaking out, but there are some things that we still need to get better at. So, you know, last week against Florida, that wasn't necessarily a, a breakout performance by the offense, but I think we all kind of took heart in the fact that we started to see signs of us trying to at least make some very necessary adjustments, whether it be you know calling more crossing routes, attacking different parts of the field, getting the running backs involved in the passing game, attacking the perimeter in the run game a little bit more. And we executed very well offensively against what was, a, I think, a, a good Florida defense. Not an, an elite Florida defense, but a, a good to very good Florida defense. So, Kurt, looking at this game, coming off that Florida game, now into Missouri, how well do you feel like we built on some of the things that we did well last week against Florida? Um, I'll actually say I thought James Coley called a pretty decent game. I mean, there were plays out there to be made that just weren't executed. Um, one play that really sticks out to me, I think, is maybe the fourth quarter, the third quarter when um we were on that third down, we run that fake, you know, or however we run it, but we have um Eli Wolf wide open in the end zone, but Jake Prompt yep. completely underthrows him. Um, yep. I thought he drew up a beautiful play, and people, you know, we settled for a field goal, and people, are, people, and, and I think that's the thing. We left a lot of plays out there on the field that were there to be made. Yeah, and that's you're exactly right. I'm glad you said that because that's kind of where my head is right now. I know if you look at the numbers, you look, if all you look at it was the the box score, you say, "Wow, Georgia only got 339 yards of total offense." Like, man, like they're really struggling. Kind of just adds on to that narrative, right? But 
I think if you take a, if you actually watch the game, we were very, very close to blowing that game wide open. Oh yeah, just like you have a, you take out sixty yards of offense, you lose on one play because of misalignment by George Pickens. Yep. I mean yep. that was a beautiful play call, beautiful pass, beautiful catch, and you know play on the ball. I mean that's yep. the thing. You the plays were there. We just did some mistakes yep. and brought them back. I mean, like I said, take away sixty yards right there. A touchdown pass, add another fifteen yards to it. I mean, all of a sudden you're over four hundred yards. Yeah, and that's that's exactly right. So I look at you know you mentioned the the play to Eli Wolf it was a beautifully designed play, great call, and Jake just you know kind of overthrew a little bit. Um, Jake's usually extraordinarily accurate. I mean, going to the game, he's completing over seventy percent of his passes, so we know how accurate Jake Fromm is. Uh, he missed that one though. That's a, now we had to settle for three. That's four points right there. That's a touchdown. Then there was the play that uh, I don't want to say it was a poor throw. It really wasn't, but uh, was it right before halftime? Maybe uh, to Kiaris Jackson in the end zone. Kiaris laid out full extension. And just and just couldn't quite reel it in. Maybe a, a slightly. I mean, it wasn't a poor throw, but maybe a slightly better throw. And that's that's six right there, right? So that's another four points. That's eight points right there. We had to settle for two field goals. And you mentioned the George Pickens beautiful design, beautiful call, uh, beautiful uh, throw by Jay. Great catch by George to make the sixty yard plus touchdown. Uh, but the misalignment. You know, you're supposed to be off the on the ball, and you're off the ball and. Freshman that happens a freshman. I'm not killing Pickens. I mean, that happens sometimes. But it's like we're that close, right? I mean, that's that's. I guess that's what I'm trying yeah, to say. It's not like we were complete. Like the, the difference when we struggled against South Carolina, absolutely nothing was working. That's not. It wasn't like this this time. Yeah, like we weren't. Like we were completely discombobulated. The coaches, the often everyone looked lost. Like they had just didn't even know what to do. But you didn't see that this time. It was just just missing. Yeah, and our best receiver went out of the game again. Missed essentially the entire. No, not essentially. He did miss the entire second half. Uh, so you got to factor that in as well. So yeah, I think you know if that if Pickens doesn't miss a line, if he just walks up the line of scrimmage like he's supposed to, like you said, we're over forty yards of offense. Um, we, we could have beaten this team forty-two nothing. You know, with Pickens and to a slightly more accurate throw two different times in the end zone, and all of a sudden, boom, scores forty-two nothing. We're over forty yards of offense, and everyone's talking about, wow, this offense is really starting to click now, right? So the narrative is totally different, and it's really just minor minor little details things that are that are very fixable that's why i'm not freaking out like those things are fixable you i i venture to guess right now that after making that mistake pickens gonna learn from that probably probably not gonna make that same mistake again probably not gonna happen jake is gonna hit those throws that he missed the end zone way more often than not so we're, we're very close uh i know that's you know it's easy to say that, and I know it's you could call that a moral victory, or whatever. Like, no, like I'm just saying, if you look at this, if you actually look at it closely and watch the game, yeah, I know 339 yards is what it is, but we're very close to kind of, we're very close to kind of just blowing the doors off them. I guess that's what I'm trying to say here. So I'm not freaking out. We got to clean up some things, but I still feel pretty good about where this team is right now. Um, but I want to go back to like the question, like how do you feel like we built on some of the things we did last week against Florida? I thought Coley called a good game, but there were some things that we saw that we did against Florida that I was really encouraged about. And I, and I said in the recap show after the Florida game, like I'm very curious to see were some of these things that we did just like these one game isolated things or is a game plan specific deal for Florida? Or is this going to be more of a trend, like a philosophical shift that we're going to make down the road? There were some things that I saw us do against Florida that we didn't do so much against Missouri. Like, do you feel like there are some things that we still need to work on? Like, like what are what are the things that you want us to do better offensively right now? Still at this point. Oh, I think attacking the edge. Still, I think that's one place we really, especially against Auburn, where they're stout up front. You're going to have to be able to attack the edge a lot better. But I did see us at times, especially we were especially trying to get the offensive linemen pulling. You're seeing it where we're pulling the guards and things like that. Um, so I think a lot of it is just sustaining on blocks because that's what that's the biggest thing about getting to the edge. You just have to sustain your block long enough to allow them to get out there. One thing I will say that I am 
very encouraged about. And I think this is not just a one game thing. We've seen over the past couple of weeks, past couple of games. I think our running game, we're continuing to diversify our running game. For the first half of the season, it was basically inside zone, inside zone, duo, duo, and maybe outside zone here or there. Like that was all we were doing. But we have made adjustments. You right, you mentioned we've got some counter plays. We're running power at time. We're not running a ton of power. But we're actually pulling guards pulling tackles. We're doing a, a couple of different things there. Getting the ball in the perimeter. We had a little toss sweep at a shotgun. We actually unveiled something for the first time. I, I, this is the first time I saw it all year where usually you see this on like short yard situations where you like you fake to uh, like a, a fullback, right? And you kind of have the backhanded pitch, the flip to the running back on the edge, right? Uh, you see that on a short yard situation where you're trying to like uh, deke the defense out or whatever, uh, kind of fake him out there. But we did that uh, – I think we got it was a I think it was a first down or it was, it was nine yards that played to Harian. So we did that on a, on a first down play. So we're trying to do different things to get the ball on the edge to kind of diversify our running games. I think our coaches realize that right now we're not hitting explosive plays in the run game like we have in years past, and we're trying to do things to to kind of jump start that that the, the not let's say the run game has been a problem. It has not. We've run the ball well, just maybe not as well as we have in the past. Right, hitting those explosive plays. Swift almost broke when he had a forty plus yard run yesterday. Honestly, in my book, didn't get enough carries. But uh, so I th- I'm happy with what we're doing in the run game, like in terms of trying to diversify what we're doing. The passing game. There were some things that we did against Florida that I would like to have seen us build on that I didn't see as much. Like, for example, getting the running backs involved in the passing game. Kurt, did you see any any evidence of that against Missouri at all? No. Like, we, we tried to throw one screen to Swift early in the game. Didn't hit that one. I think he ended up with one catch. I think it was like for zero yards. So not trying to get the running backs involved was kind of frustrating for me because I thought that was something we did very well against Florida and did it very effectively, and it was a big part of what we were doing offensively. And especially when a guy like Lawrence Cager goes out, we've talked about this before, when your best receiver goes out, when you have guys like DeAndre Swift and Brian here and, and even James Cook as well, who can be major threats in the passing game, it's, it's somewhat confounding to me that we did not try to get them more involved, especially when Cager went out of that game. That was – I can't quite figure that one. Maybe we try to get him involved and they, go, they took him away. I don't know. Go back. I'll, I'll rewatch the dev. Go back and rewatch it again and see if I can pick up more on that. But that was a little bit, of, uh, that was a little frustrating for me. How much, let, let's talk about Jake Fromm here for a second, though. All right. While we're talking about the offense. Before we do that, though, I do want to take a quick second to remind you guys about our friends at Vivid Seats. If you guys are looking for tickets the rest of the way, we've got some big matchups down the stretch here. Vivid Seats is the place to go. I actually was just on there last week, picked up a pair of tickets for the Auburn game this weekend. The selection, you can't beat it. You can't beat the prices. It was a no-brainer for me when I was in the market for tickets. Just went to Vivid Seats, boom, found exactly what I was looking for at the exact price point. It was really the easiest process I've ever had trying to buy tickets. So if you are in the market for tickets for this week's game at Auburn, or maybe A&M next week, or maybe even Tech down the road, or who knows, maybe even the SEC title game, we can find a way to clinch, Vivid Seats is the place to go. And they're actually right now offering a Vivid Seats rewards loyalty program. All you have to do is go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app to be able to earn credits back on each ticket purchase. And when it's time to buy, new users enter the promo code OVERTIME at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. But all right, let's talk about Jake Fromm for a few minutes. We gave him a ton of credit after that stellar performance last week against Florida. I think it's safe to say, um, as the president of the Jake Fromm fan club, I've got to be objective here, he was not as sharp this week 
going uh, 13 of 29 for 173 yards, six yards per attempt, two touchdowns, no picks. So he didn't make the big mistake, which is great. But this is the first time all year where he was under 50% completion percentage. Like I said, over 70% coming into the game. So, Kurt, like, what did you make of his overall performance this week? I thought he was just extremely inconsistent. He made some very nice throws, especially that one to pick into the end zone and things like that, where he made some nice throws. But it, uh, I just thought he was very, very inconsistent. Like you've been, And the one thing I noticed, and they talked about it on the broadcast, Jake has got to improve on his footwork. He does tend to he, – he's starting to fall away from throws more often than I would like. And he hasn't – it hasn't been a consistent theme throughout his career, but uh, you start to notice it more that's and the more. Thing, though, when he is messing up and things like that that are causing him, and I know it's one throw here or there, but it's always – it seems to always be on the big – on the throws that we need. Yeah, I think Jake does a really good job of moving within the pocket, like sliding. Uh, I think he does a great job there feeling pressure and doing just the subtle moves to kind of create throwing lanes for himself. But you're right, like at the release with the footwork, with the actual throw, with the pass, there are some things that we need to clean up there. Uh, and and if, look, if we can see, and they point out on, on the telecast, you're right about that. I think it was Brian Greasy pointed that out. But if, if Greasy can see it, if we can see it, you know that James Coley can see it. You know Jake himself can see it. But uh, that's something that does need to be addressed. I, I, I agree. And look, Jake's been really, really accurate all year long. But there, that doesn't I mean, mean just – I mean, we got – I mean, think about it. In the Eli Wolf game or in the Florida game, the Eli Wolf throw wasn't able to step in. So it could have been a lot different. Oh yeah, there, there's no doubt about that. I mean, that's a, that's yeah, absolutely. Because uh, that that he's got to hit that throw to Eli Wolf. I mean, that's just. I mean, there's just make no mistake about that. He's got to hit that throw. I know mean, we didn't have to have it against Missouri because we we're going to win that game no matter what. But you know, if we are playing on the road at Auburn, if somehow we were able to be fortunate enough to win the SEC East and get to an SEC title game against LSU, you got to make that throw. Like you cannot let plays like that slide by without without getting six. Those field goals are not going to beat teams like that. You've got to get six, and Jake knows that. And I, I imagine that he's going to continue to get better. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, don't, I don't think you're off base there at all. But uh, I, I don't know. Like, it, it's crazy. Like, you look at how well he played last week. I mean, 20 of 30, I thought arguably his best game of the year. 20 of 30, two, especially you can consider the moment, 279, two touchdowns, no picks. This week comes back at home, 13 of 29, 44.8% passing, 173, two touchdowns, no picks. So, again, like not the, the, the debilitating mistake like what we had in South Carolina. Uh, in that game, but like, how when you look at those two games first? Last week at a neutral side against Florida, this week at home against Missouri. Like, what was the difference between last week and this week for Jake Fromm? Because you, you mentioned that we're at home because it seems that he's been showing up playing better when he's on the road. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. I think to me, there's a it's a couple of things. Number one, like he was playing pretty well when Lawrence Cager went out, right? So I mean, Lawrence Cager almost 100 yards receiving the first half. But I went back, and this, these are my calculations, so someone can double-check me, I'm sure. You know, my math's probably wrong somewhere. I, but I, I went and counted three or four different times to make sure I was right. But I went back and looked at the play chart, the play-by-play chart. And after Cager went out, Jake was 4 of 12 for only 51 yards passing. Now, we did have the 60-plus yard touchdown pass to Pickens called back uh, because of the misalignment. But 4 of 12 for 51 yards. And I think sometimes the problem with him when Cager's not out there is the fact that he doesn't trust these people makes him hesitant. Like that, um, in the third quarter, that one play, Pickens goes right by the cornerback, and Jake, in my opinion, really underthrows him in the end zone. Oh yeah, was that when the pass interference call? 
Uh, no, it was the drive before that where they the did drive not before that one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was in the third quarter. Um, yeah. The guy was able to recover and smack it down because he overthrew him and allowed the guy to make it up. But if he just throws just the back of the end zone, that back corner, allow Pickens to at least go up and make a play on it. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think he, he he's a little bit slower when Cager's not out there. Yeah, I mean, you can clearly tell. Like, And this is not like revolutionary stuff. Everyone knows this. But it's pretty clear when you watch us out there on offense, when Lawrence Cager's on the field, Jake Fromm, has a go-to guy, right? That's a guy that he feels comfortable. And he's showing more and more of that with Pickens. But still, Pickens, there are times, you know, where he might not make this right side adjustment, might not run the route the same way that, that Fromm wants him to run it. So there are some issues there. And when when Cager goes out, that one comfort, like the guy that Jake really, really feels comfortable with, it becomes somewhat of an issue. You're right. I think he gets hesitant. I don't think he pulls the trigger as much or as quickly as he would if Cager was out there. I think he starts to maybe think a little too much and wonder, like, hey, is this guy? Like, that split second, I'm just thinking, like, hey, do I really want to throw it to this guy? Uh, that's going to be an issue. And, and not to mention, like, Cager's just better than the other guys we have. I mean, Pickens is really good. We know that. But, like, when, when Cager goes out, I mean, who do who, you have Pickens, but who else do we have out there, Kurt? I mean, yeah, got, I mean, you have people like Matt Landers who can't catch a ball. I mean, I mean you're, he's he's becoming the new Tyler Simmons of what can he do right? Oh my God, it's just like I, I know we talk about him almost every week, and it's the same story every single week. But like I look at the dude, I'm like, oh my God, you should be so good. Like you should really be good, man, because you've got every tool you need, except something's missing, and I can't explain what the something is. Uh, but it, look, it was only like a little five yard pass, but like you got to make that catch, the one he dropped. Uh, I mean, that's the, if you can't catch a five yard pass, he's not going to trust you for a twenty five yard throw. Yeah, I think it's like in, I think he's in Lander's head right now. Uh, I really believe that. I don't know the guy at all, but just watching him play, looking at his body language, I think it's in his head. Like he just needs something good to happen for him. Like he needs to make he just needs to go out and make a play. If he goes out and makes and makes a play and things start to click, I, I think if he builds that confidence, he can be good. But it, it's just not there right now. It's just not. And I think that is a I don't say a huge issue for our office, but I think our coaches. I think Jake, because I heard Jake talk about him in the preseason, even in SEC media days. Like I talk about receivers, like Matt Landers, one of the first guy he's mentioned. He was expecting Matt Landers, I think our coaches were too, to have a big year, at least a bigger year than he's having right now. But it just has not worked out that way. And when you when Cage is dealing with the injury and you don't know when he's going to be in and out of the game with his with his shoulder situation, now I'm hearing it's like an AC joint thing. Uh, you just Man, it's tough. We got because it's, it's either him. You got Tyler Simmons. Kieris is like Kieris is having to play outside sometimes now, which I think he's more of a slot guy. When when Cage goes down, he's having to play outside. And, and Kieris is can be. I think he can be a good receiver for us. I think he's more of a slot type guy, in my opinion. Uh, D Rob's a guy that's kind of been like sometimes he's he's MIA and sometimes he can be a big part of our offense. And, and against Missouri on Saturday, he was kind of MIA. But I still feel pretty good about D Rob. I'm surprised he didn't get more looks on Saturday. But yeah, when Cager goes out, like I, I think Jake kind of, I don't want to say he, he tightens up, but you're right. He does become somewhat hesitant in, 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 in terms of his ability to trust these guys. I think when Cager goes out, Pickens is the only guy right now that he really has any sort of trust in. And that's a problem. So again, I'm going to read those numbers one more time. When Cager goes, went out, Jake was then four twelve for 51 yards. So we've, Let's just say Cager's got to be healthy because when he is, it's tough. You can't really double him and Pickens. One of those guys is going to be open. And it, obviously, teams are going to start game planning for Cager. Uh, but you know, Missouri's they game plan for him this game, and he had almost 100 yards receiving the first half, six catches, 93 yards in the first half. So uh, we got we got to get that guy back healthy. And, and it sounds like like I, I don't know what you're hearing, Kurt, but what Kirby said after the game is that he should he should be fine. He could have yeah, gone I'd be back. Yeah, he didn't play. I mean, coming into the second half, we didn't need him. The game was in control. They weren't doing anything offensively, so I don't think. I felt like they could survive if they just rested him, probably went ahead and started getting treatment on him at, at that time. 
Yeah, and I think I also like talking about Jake Fromm and, and the passing game in general on Saturday. Let's not gloss over the fact that Missouri has a really good pass defense. Okay, we we have to give those guys some credit. It's not all about us. It wasn't like just us not executing our guys, not going out there making plays. I know it's kind of been the common theme, so it's easier to blame our guys. Say, oh, guy, you're just the latest example of how receivers can't get separation, can't do this, can't do that. But Missouri, like those guys, are legit in that back end. They're top. We told you in the preview show they're top five nationally in passing defense. Now they haven't faced a ton of great passing offenses. That's true. You got to throw that in there. But they've still done a really good job. Demarcus Ace is a really good cornerback. Gillespie is a good safety. Those guys are really good. Like Missouri did some good things against us as well. And then when you factor that in with Cager going out, your best receiver going out, then it's going to be a tough night trying to find anything through the air against a, a very good Missouri pass defense. But so we spent some time talking about the wide receivers. I'm going to go a little bit more in detail here, Kurt. So we had Lawrence Cager, obviously George Pickens, our two top guys right now, combined for 11 catches for 160 yards and two touchdowns. Everyone else combined had two catches for 13 yards. Two catches for 13 yards. Curse, how concerning is that for you when you look at the schedule we have left down the stretch? Can we beat the teams we're going to have to beat if those are the only two guys consistently making plays in the passing game for us? Absolutely not. And I think that's the thing. I think maybe potentially Kirby, I don't know. I'm just, you know, assuming or something. But knowing that the game was in control and that Cager was going to be out um, and that we probably didn't want him to take any more hits, I wonder if they had the idea of let's see if Jake can try to get something going with someone else. That certainly could be part of it. And, like, I, I think you, I think it's fair to say, or at least you can surmise, that we were probably like, okay, well, I'm sure Kirby probably had word that Cager could have gone back in, but if we're beating beating Missouri like we were, kind of dominating that game, we weren't really ever in danger of losing that game. Why put him back in, right? Yeah. Like, why risk him getting injured even further? We need him to heal up, and you're right. Maybe get some uh, into a little bit of more rhythm with some of these other guys out there because we're gonna we, somebody has to step up. Somebody has to step up other than those two guys. And like at different times, we've seen different players have have their moments. Whether it's D Rob at times. Whether Eli Wolf, you know, he's had a couple moments here and there. Uh, but I, honestly, outside of that, no one – I mean, I guess you, you could say that Dominic Blaylock's had a couple of moments here and there, but nothing consistently. But who who is that third guy? Because we have to have a third guy. Who is the best candidate right now to step up opposite Cager and Pickens? Probably D-Rob. I, I would like for it to be Blaylock because I think he runs better routes, but D-Rob's probably the more experienced guy. But I, I think you're right. I think that he is the answer there. He's more experienced. I also think he's more explosive because I, I really like Dominic Blake. You're right. I think he's a really good route runner, and I, I like what he's able to do from the slot there in terms of running some of the option routes and using the leverage of the defender against them. I don't think we use him properly right now in that role, but I think he can do some of those things. But D-Rob, in my opinion, is far more – I mean, it's not. It's just – it's a fact. It's just reality. He's far more explosive than uh, than what – Dominic Blaylock is. So I think D Rob is the answer. Like he, like his biggest game of the year was you know against South Carolina, five catches for fifty one yards and a touchdown. Other than that, you know, Vanderbilt three catches twenty three yards, Murray State three for twenty one, Notre Dame four for forty eight, Tennessee two for sixty one, and, and had a nice long one there. Kentucky one for one, Florida two for twenty four. Those are some big plays against Florida, and then nothing against Missouri. Shut out completely. Didn't have a catch, and, I, I, and that's kind of surprising to me when you factor in that our top receiver didn't play the entire second half. I was expect when he went out, I was expecting D. Rob to get more looks along with Pickens, but it just didn't work out that way. So I, I think I still believe in D. Rob. I just think we need to do different things to kind of free this guy up and allow him to make some plays. I think he can be a playmaker for us. How much confidence do you have in Eli Wolf if we were to start to use him a little bit more effectively? 
Um, I probably have a little bit more spirit, uh, faith in him than I do Charlie Warner. As a receiver? Oh, yeah, I do at this point for sure. Um, I, I think that we can make better use of Eli Wolf. Like, is he an Albert O type player? Is he a Kyle Pitts type guy? No, he's not that. But, like, he's a more than competent receiver. Uh, we've seen him go out there and make some catches for us. He's dropped a guy, dropped a pass here or there, you know, dropped one against South Carolina. That was a, that was a, a big drop. Actually ended up being a pretty big drop. But I think he's a guy that can make some plays for us in the past. I mean, we tried to dial one up for him uh, in the end zone there. That should have been a touchdown. Like we said, Jake just missed him. But I would like to see us use him a little bit more effective, especially if we're going to split him out consistently like that. Let's find some ways to get him in the football because I think he can make some plays for us, especially when we get a matched up on linebackers. That's what's happening right now. Teams are playing us consistently with their base defense on every single standard down. And even on some third and medium situations, they're still staying in their base defense. Not get out of their base defense unless it was third and long. So we had we had our slot receivers matched up on linebackers or safeties, mostly linebackers, most of that game. And we just like at times we tried to take advantage of it, but I don't think we tried to take advantage of it as consistently as we needed to. And look, I know that we're going to keep trying to run the football in those looks. So that's what we do. We have to uh, stay, try to stay. Or we want to try to stay balanced like that, and eventually we'll try to bust one out. And it happens from time to time. But I still would like to see us, from an offensive standpoint, do a better job when teams try to match up with base personnel as consistently as they are. We've got to find a way to make them pay a little bit more consistently. We've got to. And I think that he might not be a major mismatch again like in the vein of a Kyle Pitts. But I think he's a guy on most linebackers. I think that um, Eli Wolf can, can be a guy that can make some plays for us. I really believe that. But um, before we move on, I do want to remind you guys that this show is brought to you by our friends at My Bookie. We are about three-fourths of the way through the college ball season. It feels terrible to say that, but it's reality. So we are in the home stretch, and we are looking to close out the SEC East over the next couple of weeks. It's not a done deal. We've got a lot of big matchups down the road here, down this stretch run. And also, this is the time of year where, like, yeah, I know it's terrible that college ball season is closing down, but college basketball season is just now starting up. We've got a lot of great games, got a lot of great matchups coming up the next couple of weeks. we got all the Thanksgiving week tournaments. The NFL, of course, is in full swing. The NBA is now getting their season underway. So plenty of options for you guys to try to make some money as we near the holiday seasons. So with all the action going on around us right now, now is definitely the right time to join MyBookie. If you join right now, MyBookie will match your first deposit halfway, all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. Just use promo code OVERTIME to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code OVERTIME to take advantage of MyBookie's generous sign-up offer. Visit MyBookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. All right, now we did have one question in the mailbag about the offensive line, specifically Cade Mays playing center, moving over to the center position when Trey Hill went down with an injury. Curtis, I was pretty surprised by that. Uh, me and a couple of, my, of the people around us in the stadium there, are how surprised were you by that move, inserting Cade Mays at center, not Jamari Salyer, not Warren Erickson? Um, I was actually very surprised, but the one thing I have to say, I was waiting to mention it because I knew someone would ask, I actually thought he was a better center than what we're getting out of Trey Hill right now. Yeah, that, that was my next question. I was like, how well do you think he performed? You, thought, you, you feel pretty good about how he played? Yeah, I thought he was a lot better than what we're getting out of Trey Hill because the thing is, he does a good job in the run blocking, which is where Trey Hill has been struggling the most, is getting, you know, getting pushed initially instead of getting pushed back. And I thought he just – I was very impressed with the way he played at the center position. I thought he actually gave us something that we've been missing. 
Yeah, there are a couple of snap issues, which is to be expected because the guy doesn't – I mean, I, I can't imagine he takes many reps at center during – No, not at all. But I would think long-term he was actually a better answer to have him at center than and Cleveland at guard. Yeah, I, I'm telling you, I really like how Ben Cleveland's playing at guard right now. Like it's, And I know Katie's a really good player, and I love the nastiness he plays with and what he brings to the table and his athleticism. But I think Ben's playing really well. And I, I like having Ben and Kate in the game at the same time. And I, I think that Trey Hill's a really good player. I think he's going to become an even better player. Obviously, he's still really, really young. and has in really, relatively an experience coming into this year. But I thought Cade played really well. Yeah, a couple snap issues. That's to be expected. One of them might have cost us a touchdown. Um, if you remember that play, he uh, it was like kind of a low, low kind of low in the Fromm's left. Fromm had to reach down and grab it. It kind of threw his timing off and before he knew a defender was in his face. And he had Swift wide open uh, to, to the left there, but uh, didn't have much time to kind of just try to throw it to Wolf and in the, in the end zone. And, and there, he couldn't make a play on the ball. And Swift kind of got upset. Yeah, I get it. But that really was thrown off by the low snap. But again, like I, that's we're splitting hairs here because. That's you know that's to be expected when the guy hasn't really played that position at all. But I thought he played pretty well. So if so, are you telling me, Kurt? Am I reading too much in this? Are you telling me that if Trey Hill is actually healthy next week, you would rather have Cade Mays at center? I would. I mean, I've mentioned to you, I've been very, very disappointed with Trey Hill probably the last for last month at least. Yeah. And it was nice to actually see a center that'll get off the ball. Yeah, I was. You know. I was actually surprised to see K go in over Jamari. I thought it would be Salyer. I really did. I thought it would be Salyer coming in. And he came in late in the game at that position because I know Salyer's repped at center. He's played a good bit at center, at least in practice. So I was expecting him to see that. I honestly didn't know that Cade Mason spent much time at all playing center. That's some, That was kind of news to me. I missed out on that. So uh, that was interesting. I thought he played well, though. And we'll see. Like He might be playing there again this week. He very well might. You just you don't know when it's a lower extremity injury with a, with a guy that big and how much weight can put on him with Trey Hill. We'll see. Um, but it's it's really – I'll say this about Cade Mays. Cade Mays is not – he's not the best lineman on the team. He's a really, really good player. But the value he brings to us and his ability to kind of be that utility man playing all over the offensive line, that kind of guy is invaluable. Don't you don't you agree, Kurt? Like, that kind of guy, like, you have to have that kind of guy on the offensive line. Oh, 100%. Especially with the injuries you get, I mean, the, what what goes on in the trenches, getting rolled up, and things like that. Having a guy that can play guard, tackle—I mean, literally, literally can play and essentially has played every position on that offensive line—that is an invaluable tool to have, and, and has played really well at all those different positions. So, got to give him some kudos there because I thought that was a a really great performance for him, kind of coming in cold turkey at at least at the center position. So, good stuff. All right, Kurt. Before we get to the defense, real quick, let's empty out the notebook offensively. Is there anything else on the offensive side of the ball that we missed that you want to talk about? Not right now. Okay, one thing I'll throw out at you real quick. DeAndre Swift, 12 carries for 83 yards, 7 yards a carry. Kurt, what stands out to you in that stat line? Not enough touches. 12 touches, man. 12 carries. He had 13 touches on the day and one catch like for zero yards. But 12 carries for 83 yards, that's not enough, man. I know we only ran like like 58 plays, something like that, 57 plays. But DeAndre Swift has just got to get more touches. And I know it's tough because we have all these other guys. Kirby always has questions about like, why isn't James Cook getting more touches? Why isn't Zeus getting more touches? Blah, 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 so on and so forth. But I'm sorry, DeAndre Swift's probably, not probably, he's our best player on offense. He's our most explosive playmaker, consistently explosive playmaker on offense. He's got to get more than 12 touches. I know it worked out fine, 27 nothing, but like that dude should have had, I mean, there's never a game. This year, he should have less than 20 carries. I mean, he should have had 20 carries for 150-plus yards in that game. But uh, and that's fine. Well, we still won. But against Auburn, that guy's have to get the ball. There's no doubt. No doubt about it. All right. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. On the other side of the ball, it was another dominant performance by the defense. We've already touched on this a little bit. We'll go into a little bit more detail here now. It was the third shutout of the season, uh, and that's the first time since the early 80s that we've had three shutouts in the same year. We held Missouri to 198 total yards, um, 3.4 yards per play. Uh, 50 yards total rushing, I think. And we held an opponent under 300 total yards for the fourth straight game in the seventh time in nine games this season. Curtis, let me just ask you this about the defense. Was that dominance on Saturday more about us, or is it more about Missouri being maybe out of sorts without Kelly Bryant at quarterback? Um, Maybe a little bit of both. I thought we were really dominant. Uh we were getting pressure, which was a nice thing. Um, I thought we were not giving um, the backup quarterback many avenues to throw the ball, and I thought that we did a good job of mixing it up. Yeah, look, I, I, we didn't get a ton of sacks. Like, the sack numbers weren't huge, but I, I like what you said. They're like, even though we only ended up, ended up with two sacks, like, we were – he was under pressure. Like, we were we were wreaking havoc back there, whether we got him on the ground or not. Like, we were affecting the quarterback. So that was good to see. Uh, yeah, like I mean, honestly, man, like I think you're probably right. It's a little bit of both. Look, if Kelly Bryant plays, do we hold do we hold them scoreless? Pro- probably not, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they they touchdown or a field goal here or there in that game. But look, like I think they said on the telecast going back and rewatching it today, like Kelly Bryant was not going to make that that big of a difference. Like Missouri was not going to win this game. They weren't they weren't going to like be that much more competitive with Kelly Bryant because we were just dominant from from start to finish, pretty much. Uh, and sure, like when you have a backup quarterback, there's going to be some issues there. But still, look, we went out, even with a backup quarterback, it's tough, guys. It is very tough to shut out anybody in the SEC. I don't care who's back there playing quarterback. They have really good players. Albert O is as good of a tight end as, as there is in this league. Larry I thought, Roundtree, honestly, I thought um, Tyreek Stevenson did a great job on Albert O. I was going to mention that. So Devon Wilson, I guess, is an injury. Is that what we're guessing right now? I guess. I don't know. I'll say that he's the best cover guy we've had there. I was really – and you know what? This is a guy I was kind of thinking about. We got asked the question last week, like, hey, what are some options that we could have in the star position uh, other than Mark Webb or Devon Wilson? I'm like, well, you know, a lot of people talking about DJ Daniel. I was like, I don't know. He's not quite big enough. But I was like – Tyreek Stevenson's not a tall guy, but he's kind of like DeAndre Swift, right? not tall but pretty stout. Like he's a pretty thick dude. Um, so – and I thought he held I – mean, he didn't play the star. He played the money position in the, in the dime package. But you're right. When he came in in those third down situations, I thought he played physical. I thought he he filled against the run pretty well. Uh, you're, he was all over Albert O. I mean, he's definitely, in my opinion, a better cover guy, at least in that one game. He showed the skills to be a better cover guy than Mark Webb or Devon Wilson. Would you agree with me there? Yeah, I would. Yeah, so I, that's interesting. I think Devon's played really well for us in that money position. But I, I'm curious to see if Tyreek Stevenson might have earned himself a little bit more playing time with how well he played against a really good tight end in Alberto. Now, he didn't do it all alone, but when he was mashed up on him, I thought he played very well. I think that was kind of one of the underrated things that not many people are talking about right now with this game. I thought he played really, really well, and he hasn't really played all that much this year. We saw Tyson Campbell back, Kurt. Uh, how did you feel about how he played coming back? For, I mean, God, this is his first game in I don't know how long. 
I thought he played well. I mean, I thought that he looked like he was getting a little bit of the rust off, which is nice going into the end of the season. We're going to need him, man. I'm telling you, we're going to need that guy. If we, if we want to do the things that we want to do before this season's all said and done, we are going to need Tyson Campbell. And DJ Daniels played really well in relief. He really has. He, he's gotten better and better as the season's gone on. I think he's been a really big addition for this team. Uh, he's playing really good in press man coverage, but he just doesn't bring us the athleticism and the, and the physical profile that Tyson Campbell brings. I mean, Tyson, you know, 6'3", is a, is a track speed guy, 10, 300 meter guy. And I thought he was playing really well before he went down. I thought he made a big jump from where he was last year. So it was nice to see him get in, like you said, kind of knock off some of that rust. We're going to need this guy. And it's going to be very interesting to kind of see how that corner position opposite Eric Stokes plays out in the next couple of weeks as Tyson is healthier and healthier, more comfortable with that toe, come up the turf toe injury. It'll be interesting. I think DJ Daniel, it's, it's a tough spot for Kirk, for Kirk because he's, I think Daniel's earned playing time. I think he's played really well for us. But Again, I just go back to Campbell and the physical profile he brings. I think he can just do some things for us that DJ Daniel just just can't do. So it'll be interesting. I think they're both going to play, but I think we're going to see more and more of Tyson Campbell as the uh, as the season starts to wear on. What about Quay Walker, Kirk? I think Quay Walker might have had his best game of the year. What you make of how he played? He's it, it's making him hard hard to keep him off the field right now. Yeah, it's really tough because you know Quay our, our uh, Tay Crowder, you know, just got named. It was a semifinalist for the was it the Buckus Award or the one of the whatever linebacker award trophies, and, and totally deserving. He's gotten so much better since the season's gone on. And think about where he's come from. He's been so good. But Quay Walker, it's kind of like the same thing with uh, we talk about DJ Daniel and uh, Tyson Campbell. Yeah, Tay's played so well, but he just doesn't have the physical profile of Quay Walker. Like when Quay fears it all out, and he's getting closer and closer to that. Like he's just a better athlete, a, a, a more physical player, a guy that can just do some things, more versatile player, I guess is the word I'm looking for, a more versatile player than what Tay Crowder brings to the table. And look, Tay's going to be, he's he's going to be our starter the rest of the way. There's no doubt about that. But the sky is the limit for Quay Walker. I'm very excited what, he, what he's going to be able to do for us moving forward. Had a nice sack. And I think we just, we're, we're, start, we're just seeing him just start to scratch the surface of how good he can be. But overall, man, the defense, another great performance, another dominant rush performance. What about that goal line stand, Kirk? That was huge, right? Down the stretch there. I love it. It's once again, Kirby's done this before when it came down to it, but like he likes to get that goose egg. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And you put, you know, that we had some backups in the game, some guys that are trying to get some some reps and get some experience. And then we get on the goal line. Kirby's like, nope, nope, nope. We ain't letting them score. Let's put our guys back in there. And they and they answered the bell, they answered the call. It was, it, it's just great to see our guys play with that kind of pride, you know? So that was that was beautiful, man. I was I was more pumped up for that than I was probably anything anything else the rest of the game. That was huge, man. Love seeing that, and keeping that uh, no rushing touchdown streak in, intact. I mean, it'll end at some point. It's going to happen. It's inevitable. But man, it's a uh, what a streak that's been. That's been awesome. So let's wrap it up with this, Kurt. Talking about the defense, can this team, as is with this defense, right? Let's say the offense is is what it is. Let's say it just continues to kind of be what it's been with this defense and everything else being what it is. Are we good enough right now to win an SEC title? Um, it's going to be difficult. I mean, as good as the defense is, you'll still have to score some points to beat LSU. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt about that. I, I, I do think that the gap between – I don't know. I'm not going to go that far. I think that – is it safe to say that our defense, if we get to that point, will be the best defense LSU has faced all year? I think that's a very easy yes. Yeah, there's no question there, right? I want to give you a softball question before we get out of here. But there's no question there. And look, LSU was really good. And if we play them, they're going to score points on us, guys. We're not shutting LSU out. That's not going to happen. But I just have a sneaking suspicion, man, that if we got in that game, I think our defense is going to give them hell. I really do. And we'll talk a lot more about that when we get close. There's some matchups I actually like 
in that game. We're running out of time here. We got to get out of here. So we'll save that for another day. We actually have some questions about that for the mailbag. So maybe we'll get into that in the mailbag episode. But yeah, look, I, can we? Yeah, going back to what we said at the beginning of the episode, I think this defense gives us a chance to win every game, including a game, a potential game against LSU. Absolutely will give us a chance to win that game. The question remains, will our offense be able to do enough? Like you just said, we're going to have to score some points. I think our offense is getting closer to that, but we just got to keep moving in that direction. Um, but right now, I don't know. Like if we play like we played against Missouri on Saturday, like we're not going to beat LSU. Like That's not going to happen. But I think, again, that's not as well as we can play. That was not our, our A game yet. I still don't know if we put out our A game yet. But if we can get to that point or get a little bit closer to it, Absolutely, I think we'd have we could have a shot. I know we wouldn't be favored, no doubt, and probably shouldn't be. But yeah, I think our defense will at least give us a chance there. But all right, guys, that does it for today here on the Glory UGA podcast. We definitely appreciate everyone taking time out of your day to support our show and listen to us here. We'll be back later on this week. Obviously, we've got another big game and a succession of big games on the stretch here against the Auburn Tigers. We'll have you guys covered all week with that stuff. We'll be back with the mailbag show. We've got a preview show and some picks later on the week. But thanks for listening. For Curtis, I'm Tyler. And as always, go dogs.